Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. Today's Tech Talk, we are talking to Victor. He is the CMO of Free Trade. But before that, hiya, Jack. Hello, David. I'm sorry we're having to do this via Zoom. I was I was up in Durham yesterday. Uh, I mean, I gave you an hour window that I could do, so it's it, it's both of our fault. It's not just your fault, Dave. <laughs> you know what? It was lovely to go to Durham. Go on, yeah. Well, quite apart from anything else, the Northeast is the premier... It- region of, of England. Um, Here he goes, Wordsworth at it again. He's going to start listing all the wonderful sights he saw in his train adventure back up north. No, I'm, a- I'm actually not. What I'm going to talk okay. very quickly about is something that I did on the train. Right. Yeah. Um, I basically had to look through about 50, I think it was 48 uh, shortlisted projects for the, for the women in technology. Um, wow. that we've been asked to, to judge uh, and the yes. ceremony is during Viva Tech in Paris. Oh my word, Jack. Yeah. Some of these projects are so fucking cool. I bet they are. What, what, what stands out as, a, as one of the ones that, that really caught your eye? I mean, obviously, I, I think I'm okay to talk about this because for a start, I'm one member of a 10-person judging panel. So we've all recommended three projects in each of the four categories. So I have no idea nice. which one. Um, so I, I think I can talk quite quite freely. But um, there were a couple that stood out as just being cool and different. <laughs> right? um, and, and, and fundamentally, they were all fantastic and they all demonstrate that women rock. Uh, yep almost but there, there was one and i won't say which category or whatever else but there was one uh that's called the athena squad that's come out of australia right and they, by the way athena athena was my favorite greek god um but yeah go on well yeah i mean their, their description started by saying that you know she's the goddess of wisdom courage inspiration civilization but they basically pointed out that women's contribution in history is largely underrepresented um, mm. which which is absolutely correct right but what i thought was really interesting and i'd never considered this is that as we move to a future where artificial intelligence is very much ingrained in everything that we do Mm -hmm. um we often think about bias right have we got the right information going into the system so that the ai learns If, if we write women out of history ai will believe that men did everything that's true. That's very true. Which will totally change the way that it frames and thinks about stuff. If it, you know, it, it's whatever level it, it, it thinks. So, well, it, know, sound, it will sound like that 60-year-old bloke in your office who doesn't have a clue. That's what it would be like. Let's face it, the main, the main problem is it will entrench bias even further. If, yes. And, and there's one thing where it's not in textbooks, but if we've got AI that fundamentally sits alongside us augmenting what we do, and that doesn't understand the contribution of women in history, that mm. Is, mm. is terrible and absolute, it's criminal. Uh, so I thought that was really cool because I, 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 I... So what are they, what, are they well, striving to, to work on this input bias then? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they're basically, um, they're going out and recording the stories of women and girls across sectors worldwide in history and today and what they're achieving to make sure that that data 
is available and and is recorded. That's sick. That's quality. They need to come over here and interview some cool women from England. Alex Scott being top of my list. Yep. And, and Rosie, if she's listening, they, they need to interview Rosie as well. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was cool because I'd never considered the impact it would have on a on an algorithm and how that then displays information or how it frames. Well, I, I tell you what's funny is and, and something we do because we talk about this all the time. You know, I think back to the the AI that got really racist on Twitter. Was it the Microsoft AI that got really racist on Twitter? Yes. And then the uh, the other AI bot that scoured the dark pages of the Reddit to become a psychopath. Now we know this from, we, we know this kind of thing happens because of the data that they're taking on, but we've never really considered the fact that people forget to put certain data in, right? Which I guess is what the Athena group are trying so hard to tackle. And mm. you need to get them on the show, Dave. You need to get them on it. Well, hopefully they're in Paris for the awards too. As I, as I said, I have absolutely no insight into who's won the award and who hasn't and who's even <laughs> going to make the shortlist. But I thought that was really cool. Um, that is really cool. And like I say, Athena is actually the baddest ass in Greek mythology. She, she basically got Odysseus home from Troy and uh, made, like, enabled him to win back his land, essentially. Yeah. She shapeshifted throughout. And do you know the reason why she had to look, uh, come, in, come in his appearance as a man? Because he would have never believed a woman. Like if a woman could come to him and said, you need to do X, Y and Z to save your family and city, he wouldn't have done it. But as he turned up as a man, oh, I love Athena. She's fucking the badass. Turn that, turn that woman into a spider just because you said she was a better knitter than her. Sorry, I've, got, I've digressed well off track now. No, I think, I think that's entirely, entirely fair to digress on this one. Look, there, there were some cool projects. I won't go into any more detail around it, but I thought that one in particular, just in terms that, that, that frames something in a way that I hadn't really considered. So I yeah. wanted to mention yeah. that and say, awesome. Um, it was... It was a long old process judging, but really worthwhile. So that was pretty Do cool. you know what would be an interesting story to input into this AI? It would be the story of a man who left his job to follow his wife's dreams, right? That, that's a pretty good story <laughs> to input into an AI. Funny you Tenuous link, yeah. tenuous link. <laughs> well, it's not really tenuous. No, it's not. It's actually pretty, pretty seamless. Victor should be put on a pedestal and mm. said that is a man who supports inclusion and diversity within the workforce. As you mm -hmm. are about to find out, we won't spoil the interview. We will just simply hand over to the interview. But <laughs> stay tuned, because afterwards, myself and Jack will have some thoughts on this, and we do have some thoughts on this. Uh, and then we will present you with two bits of news that we find interesting. Indeed. So we're um, chatting to Victor today. Thank you for coming in and having a chat with us. Thanks for having me. You're CMO of Free Trade. Correct. Who are Free Trade? Free Trade is a challenger stockbroker. We make investing free and frictionless. How long? How long has the company been around? Uh, since 2016. And you joined? You joined what? Two years ago? Almost exactly two years ago. Yes. Um, and your background is? I'm assuming you've been in marketing your entire career, but uh, that might be wrong. I don't want to make assumptions and be. No, that, that's actually correct. Yeah. 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 I'm a marketer. Seven years at Google. Correct. Anywhere in between Google and, and Free Trade? Yeah, um, I actually had uh, quite a few adventures between Google and Free Trade. Um, so I, I left Google after seven years, yeah. and well, I, I had a great time there. My, my, I guess my reason to leave was seven years is almost this kind of like turning point in human relationships as well. You kind of reevaluate uh, things, and I realized that Google was 
my first real job. I actually had no experience outside of Google. And you know, when, when you are at Google, you, you are sitting pretty. Um, it's a great company, uh, amazing people. I learned a lot, but I just felt that I could learn even more. And I was really curious about the outside world, mm. so to say. And I decided to leave um, and start a new um, chapter in, in Asia. I, I, I found this really interesting opportunity to lead a digital marketing agency in Hong Kong. And uh, it, it, it was a very opportunate time because what we were working on with this agency was taking over um, General Motors from another agency. And that transition, that takeover was the largest digital media takeover at the time, which was a really interesting uh, uh, environment to work in. And, and General Motors is probably not the most exciting brand, but it's a gigantic brand. I believe it, it was probably the largest advertiser in the world at the time, or, or one of the top. And uh, they had unique, innovative ideas. They, you know, they just walk into Facebook and tell them that they don't see ROI, and they just stop all advertising uh, on Facebook. So that that was a very interesting time to be, you know, to, to be a part of that. So, so a couple of different markets there, different size organizations, but what led you to free trade? What was it about free trade then when you started talking to those guys that went, oh, hang on a minute, this is the right move now? Well, I hope you are prepared for a relatively lengthy story, but a very, <laughs> a very interesting one, I promise. Um, so um, I, I moved to the UK in, in 2015 and, and, and the reason to move, for me to move here was uh, my girlfriend uh, rejoined Google. She was at Google before and she found a fantastic opportunity here. Um, she's uh, head of Android strategy now, uh, which is a really sweet gig. And I just wanted to support her career and I decided to move here without a job. And um, I'd be exploring London, I'd, you know, sit on the tube and I saw this advertisement about Crowdcube. And I thought to myself that, no, that can be right. You can invest any amount. Uh, you can be an angel investor and you, you don't have to have like hundreds and thousands of pounds to invest. You don't have to have your deal flow, your solicitor to review papers. You don't have to do due diligence. Um, so so I, I, I got on Crowdcube and I, I, was, I was lucky. I, I, I invested in the very first crowdfunding round of Monzo and the very first crowdfunding round of Revolut. And my certain, certain good, good guesses yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, they just felt right at the time. Um, and my third investment was free trade. And right. I saw free trade, and I thought to myself, "This is fantastic. This, this is what I want." Uh, when I moved to the UK, I, I looked around. I wanted to set up my own investment account. I heard that ISA was the way to go, and I looked around, and all, all the solutions, all the products were pretty grim, uh, expensive no proper mobile apps. Um, I just expected more from the UK. And here was somebody, Adam specifically, building that for the UK. So I checked my bank account, how much I could pledge. I pledged pretty much everything at the time. Thankfully, they did not deduct it right away. Um, and uh, it turned out I was the first investor uh, who invested more than a thousand pounds at the time. and wasn't a friend or family. Uh, of Adam. Um, and that caught Adam's eye. We started emailing. Uh, I eventually met him at WeWork. And I was just really impressed how uh, prepared he was, how, how well he knew this market, how well, the, you know, the vision uh, was really impressive to me and, and very attractive. So th that kind of planted a seed in my head. And eventually over time, it was the right um, thing for me to sort of pitch a growth role at uh, at free trade, which is the area I, I really focused on in the last couple of years. And I suppose I, I suppose the nice thing there, right, is that often if you're not a founder of a business, 
you're having to sell your vision to someone, whereas you've already bought into the vision by the time you're going to speak to them. That's correct. I Which is slightly unusual, but great. Yeah. Okay, so look, you, you mentioned at the beginning what it is, but how, how does it actually work? So it's, it's a commission-free investing platform. You're, you're encouraging younger generations, which I think before we hit record, you, you suggested was anyone under 40. Uh, I'm sure it's not excluding people over 40, but encouraging that, no. that market that, that, that doesn't traditionally, I suppose, trade in stocks and shares to get involved. And um, it, it's anywhere from like £100 to £1,000, right? Well, it's uh, any amount. Um, and, uh, you know, just a note on the 40 number, which, which is kind of like a good mental anchor. But, you know, uh, I just um, I, I guess it's more a, a difference of um, do you live on your phone? Uh, and that can be any age. Uh, yeah, you know, okay. 60 year olds use their phones very productively. Um, but, yeah, it, it's basically for everyone who, who lives their lives on their on their phone. They have expectations that any sort of app that they have, including investment apps, they are just as simple and intuitive as as a, as a Deliveroo. You know, when you open Deliveroo, you don't really have to think about like how to order food. If you open Spotify, you don't really think about how to listen to music. Uh, so we are building the same for investing. And, and I did mention they're commission free. And sometimes people listen to this show and they come back and go, well, how did that company how does that company make their money? How, how, what kind of products and services are you offering to your customers to, to make sure that there's a viable business there for you to grow? Yeah, we run a freemium model. Um, so uh, the basic account and, and basic orders are free. A basic order is um, an order th- that you place and, and we execute at the end of the, end of the day in bulk that saves costs uh, on our end. Um, but uh, we actually already make revenue, which is probably quite unique to us. Uh, as a fintech startup, uh, we are post-revenue in a way. Um, uh, we, we are making re- revenue in various ways, but the main way right now is uh, instant orders. Mm. So if you don't want to want to wait until the end of the day uh, t- um, for your uh, trade to be executed, you can place an instant order and that's executed right away. That costs one pound, which is uh, a lot less than the twelve pound that um, that some of our competitors would charge. So stocks and shares. I've got to be perfectly honest. When I think of stocks and shares, I still probably think of the FT or a broadsheet paper and yes. and, and those pages that I tend to avoid. Yes. And if I was to invest in something, I'd probably go to uh, a trusted family member or someone in the office who I who I know is already kind of au fait with how that all works to get some advice, right? And I guess that only reinforces all of the traditional routes into that space. So how are you getting your brand out there? How are you attracting those first customers? And then how do you grow that and scale? Well, that's that's a fantastic question. Um, so uh, thinking of FT and broadsheets, that does the same for me. Previously, when I heard the expression stocks and shares in the various languages, in the various countries I'd live in, I'd, I'd be scared off, I, w- I would not really be interested. Um, but if you really think about what's underneath, uh, um, fantastic companies that fundamentally drive and contribute to uh, growing uh, the world, um, you know, these are companies that innovate uh, all the time and they create value. Uh, I mean, if you really think about it, you know, value creation of various companies, you, you want to partake in that. And, and, and you may, you know, you may be excited about various companies and you could be um, you know, you, you could participate in that value creation. For me, when I invested in, into Monzo, it's not a publicly traded company, of course, but thanks to Crowdcube, I could. 
uh, I, I wanted to part I wanted to be part of that growth I was excited about that company uh, personally um, both of them and myself are, are big followers of, of Elon Musk mm. obviously this is not investment advice it's not something that anyone should follow but I personally feel strongly about the vision of of Tesla and, and the electric future that they are creating and how much better that could be for the world. So I'm in, an investor and I hold a couple of shares and I'm, I'm really excited about that. So do you, how important is trust here? Because with finance, it's, it's a big commitment, right, to, to give any of your money away. Um, I, I suppose word of mouth then from your user base is really important. Does, does Is social an effective channel for you? Because I can't imagine... I'll be perfectly honest, I can't imagine necessarily seeing something on Twitter and being like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll invest because I've seen oh, that. No, me neither. Um, so number one thing, trust is extremely important. It's, it's the single most important thing. If we don't have trust, we have nothing. Mm. Uh, trust creation is not something that you do overnight. Um, so that, that's something you have to put time and effort into. And you know, at the very beginning of our journey, we kind of took a step back and we understood very early that we want to create trust. And there are certain drivers that create trust and none of it comes overnight. It, it, it takes time. Uh, one of the first things that we did was um, being very transparent with our community. Even pre-product, there was only a wait list. I, I started a newsletter that was talking about very transparently and authentically about what we are working on. Uh, you know, the, the stories around free trade and, and, and what they can expect and sort of involving them into that journey. But also we, you know, at a very early point, we applied for, uh, uh, for our authorization with, with the FCA. That, that's obviously very important from a trust perspective. Uh, the regulator here in the UK, I, I think is fantastic, very innovative. Um, we were only a three-person team uh, when we applied for our regulation and we had to present a business plan and, and, and all that. And, and uh, we became authorized and that was, a, that was a major step for us, mm. being directly authorized. And then we became a member firm of the London Stock Exchange as well. Um, so, so we performed various uh, steps uh, to, to build that trust. It's, it, it, it's really, really important for us. And have, seeing a tweet uh, is not going to convince you to put even £10 somewhere. So before we hit record, you, you use the phrase that we, we don't put our money to work effectively. Um, right. How are people using the app? Is it like long-term investment? Because I would have always assumed uh, an investment in the stock market might be quite a short-term kind of, you, you want to see return on it quite quickly, put down a lump sum, maybe, maybe you're trying to, I don't know, make something in a year or two, but how, how do people use this? Well, David, that's, that's exactly what um, culturally I kind of hear from people, not just in the UK, but, um, but in Europe generally. You can probably the, tell, the, by the way, that I, I, I really am very, very ignorant on this market. So <laughs> forgive any stupid questions. Mo, mo, most, most people are, and, and there are no stupid questions. It's, I, I think there is this myth about uh, the stock market that it's for traders. We actually differentiate trading activity and investing activity quite a lot. So mm -hmm. trading is something that, you know, you buy something in the morning, you sell it in the afternoon or in a short span of time and you hope to make a quick buck right. out of it. That's not really what we optimize the product for. What we optimize the, pro the product for is investing, long-term investing. And that, that's something that people don't do enough. So hence my comment, uh, most people try to save cash, which is um, very legitimate, uh, very important to have an emergency fund that does the best practice for, uh, for most people. But, but you also, um, if, if you have a certain amount of nest egg, you want 
you want to put it to work and over time the public markets uh, have performed very well and uh, um, people have been able to grow their wealth over time if they um, if they invested on on a long enough timeline is it a challenge for you i suppose kind of challenging that preconception of stock market and you know you kind of think of the stock market you think of kind of greed is good and, and oh, yeah. wall street and all yeah. of those ridiculous pinstripe and braces and that image so i, I guess yeah. for you breaking through that and changing the narrative must be part of the challenge oh it's it's absolutely part of the challenge it's, it's a core part of the challenge uh, greed is good and, and and all that narrative is something that I've, I've been personally repulsed by and and one mm. of the key reasons why i have not uh, i have not started investing um i, I think there is a big um sort of uh, aggressive alpha male type of narrative around you know big gains big losses all that stuff that's not what investing is about or should be about right um and uh, uh, we are building a narrative that uh, speaks truthfully about what investing is about which is putting your money to work uh, over a, a long enough timeline uh, you know, building decades-long relationships with our customers—that's what we—that's what we work for. So, what have you guys got coming up? You—you are about to release an Android app. Correct. We are testing the Android app right now. Uh, cool. People are um, clamoring. Uh, I, I get a number of emails every day. People asking me to please just let me test. So we are hoping to launch that very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a number of other things in the pipeline. Uh, one of the major things we work on is is our own investment platform. So. Technologically speaking, uh, uh, the, the latest brokerage tech um, is uh, 30 years old. So we are a tech startup. We have a serverless architecture. Um, we are cl cloud native and we are basically building um, a, a stock broker platform from the ground up um, without using any intermediaries or, or partners. That's our own platform and uh, that will enable us to do really fantastic things. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the latest tech. In in terms of anything else, we um, v uh, what I'm personally passionate about is uh, fractional shares. Um, so if you look at um, American tech stocks, some of them are very pricey. If you consider Amazon, for example, mm -hmm. um, probably a thousand dollars right now. And most of our audience is not going to have money uh, to buy even one share. Um, so we'll implement technology that they can buy. Uh, 50 pound worth of Amazon shares. Mm -hmm. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to come across and, and chat to us. I'll stop the microphones and I'll ask you for a tip beyond Monzo and Revolut. All right, you're, yeah. You're, you're obviously I someone, actually, finger on the pulse. <laughs> I actually placed the, placed the uh, re, for me a reasonable, reasonably sized investment in a company recently on Crowdcube. Right, then I'll find out who in a minute. No, <laughs> thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Thanks a lot. Jack, I don't know about you, but mm. as, as, I, as I say many times in the interview, this is a world, uh, sorry, training, <laughs> the world that I just know nothing about. You and me both, David, you and me both. And, and you're right, I am of the same ilk as you in that I only think of Gordon Greco and money is greed and all of this kind of really horrible kind of stuff when it comes to trading. And that's only because of the yuppies of the late 80s, right? I don't know how they're entrenched in my memory. I wasn't even alive, but they've ruined it for everyone. Well, talk, talking about bias, right? The minute you think of traders and trading, you immediately you think, think of, yeah. of, of, of Wall Street yeah. and Greco, you know? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just synonymous with that. And, you know, that's partially because of the films and books that are, are about Wall Street and, uh, and the Stock Exchange and so on. But it just doesn't seem like a kind of environment where I've ever felt I would be comfortable there until we hear about free trade, right? Well, yeah, I mean, let's look in the mirror here. We often talk about, oh, isn't it bad that AI has this reputation as a as maybe reaching a singularity and wiping out humanity or taking everyone's jobs, and that isn't the bigger picture. If we can, if we can espouse that worldview, then it would be incredibly narrow-minded of us to be like, oh, yeah, but trading, they're a load of wankers. Because, well, you, you say you that, know, but it is a male-dominated world where it's been very hard for females to get into uh, it doesn't, it stock doesn't, and stuff like that. It doesn't mean, yeah, of course, look, I'm not endorsing that, but it, do, it doesn't mean that there aren't probably no. bits of, of yeah. good stuff going on. And yeah. this is disruption that's very positive and hopefully will lead to democratization of, of a trading platform. And I think free trade, free trade could, should be lauded for that. Absolutely. I mean, anything that's going to make it easier uh, to laymanize it, if, if that is a word, you know, because I haven't got a Scooby when it comes to stocks. I've just started my new job and there's a fellow who sits across the hall from me and he, he's on it all the time. He loves it. And he's, he's got his stocks in about 18 different companies and, I just I wouldn't even know where to start, but this this free trade makes it sound quite simple. And you know, if I could be as lucky as Victor's investments with Monsum and Revolut, I'd be well happy. I know, crazy, right? Crazy. But um, yeah, uh, I, I like that kind of mantra of making you know getting money to work for you. I, I think that's yeah. the thing that we often feel when you have money, money makes money, right? So you often look at people who have money and they make an investment. And uh, I think there was someone who, I, I can't remember, one of the early stage investors into um, Uber, put $9 right. million in, and it's now worth $6 billion. Mm. And it's like, well, that's not yeah. fair, because I don't have $9 million to invest in a company. Um, yeah. But here is a platform that allows people with more modest means to do something smart with their money. Absolutely, totally. There's, there's, uh, before we move on to the, the, the point that we, we mentioned before the interview, I just want to talk about GM and Facebook that he mentioned in his story. Mm. The fact that they went in there and said to Facebook, we're getting no ROI from you and we're leaving, we're done and we're ending all of our advertising with them. I just thought, do you know what? I know GM are fucking huge and all the rest of it. And you know, there's only a few people that can get away with doing that and, and acting like that. But that for me was a slight inspiration as well. Um, and you know, and I'm sure GM aren't an inspirational brand, you know, they make car manufacturers for fuck's sake. So I'm sure they're ruining the world. But I just liked that that someone went into Facebook and said, you're doing nothing for us. So see you later. Refreshing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And consumer choice is the only way that realistically we're going to curb big business. Uh, sorry, big tech. Exactly. I'm not saying that, you know, consumer choice GM directly aligns, no. but people do need to be stronger convictions and not just go, oh, well, it's the easiest platform. We've got to be on it. Well, I, I saw, I read this morning that uh, AOC has uh, quit Facebook citing mental health reasons. So, you know, she's very much our favorite person at the moment. So I'm, I was thinking, of that, like, why, why am I still on Facebook? And then I had to organise my birthday party, so it was actually quite helpful for that. Anyway, we digress. Yes, and um, one, one other quick thing before we move on to the point that I know that you're really keen to talk about. Um, mm. He, uh, Victor, I know Victor has the view basically that ten years on fintech hasn't really delivered, and and I think that's that's fair. Mm. That's not to say that the uh, companies that we've had on the show previously aren't delivering; they absolutely are. But to date, it's all been that B two C commercial. Uh, sorry. Um, 
retail banking side, the high street, well, bank accounts, etc. It's been very much consumer finance rather than giving, rather than exploring different elements of the market. And whilst there are B two B propositions in fintech, they are less well known. Uh, and yeah, it's great. It's great to see a fintech solution as well tackling tackling trading. Sorry, I just wanted to make Do that point. It's, it's no, fair. I'm kind of. I'm kind of in agreement with him. I mean, Monzo lost that, lost me when they switched to a current account model. And I thought, well, this isn't going the way I want a, a challenger bank to go. But, you know, I'm probably in the minority there. And then obviously there's been, there's been slight issues at Revolut. So he's not wrong. Um, we, we, they've definitely paved the way. It's just whether now Monzo and Revolut can, I don't know, keep going or keep improving, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would echo that. Uh, other than them two, I can't really think. Starling Bank, obviously, they're, they're a good, some, some friends of the show but you don't see many more at the moment which i guess is you know i, th- I think i think i think the point that, that uh, around that is that we've fintech's been very concentrated on certain elements of the market open banking is fantastic but there's a lot more that could be done there's a lot more that could be the b2b uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 disrupted and innovated for the better and, and free trade is one of those examples now jack let's yes. move on to the points that you're very keen to make i mean just like if there's ever like men listening to this right we pale in significance to our, if, if, if we're straight, we pale in significance to our female partner, okay? We always do. Like, if you're like me, then your girlfriend runs your life and is your boss, lawyer, doctor, everything, right? Now, not only was Victor happy to, to drop everything and move countries with his girlfriend, but he's happy to talk about that as well on the show. And it's just such, I mean, look, it's not the most groundbreaking thing ever. And I'm sure... He, he loves his girlfriend very much. And let's be honest, Victor's probably got a few quid in his back pocket as well. But the fact that he was happy to drop his job, follow his girlfriend, follow her passion, and, you know, sort of work in the shadows, if you will, is fucking an example set that we all need to follow should our girlfriends have amazing opportunities. And so well, it, re- it, it reinforces some of the themes that we've spoken about recently. So when we had Adia Health on the show, uh, yep. Lena Chan talks about the fact that her startup journey was made so much more easy, yeah. easy because of a supportive husband, especially yeah. when she had a young family who could help work around her so that she could be an entrepreneur. And we know that there is a problem that the VC community is very male dominant. Uh, Absolutely. And, and that unfortunately women often feel the need to either hide pregnancies or bring a male co-founder on. Women are only going to, uh, basically make make the most of the considerable talents that they have if yep. we are supportive as a society and allow that to happen and, yep. and reject i suppose the traditional tropes that have held many women back absolutely um and like if, if for generations now a man will have taken a job moved his whole family across the country across the city across the world whatever and it's just expected that a woman should follow, right? And now is time for us men. I mean, as, as some are already doing it, but if Rosie was offered an, an amazing opportunity uh, akin to, to Victor's partner, then I would absolutely follow her. And I know I mean, you would too, Dave, if, uh, yeah, if Hayley was, yeah. I would argue it has actually less to do with the whole gender thing. It, it should be far more, instead of it being the male is the breadwinner, it should be a case of, it, it, it's kind of... Follow your dreams. It, it, it That's all it is. Just, following your uh, dreams mate it doesn't, it doesn't matter 
which one of you should be seen as the breadwinner. Yes. It should be the fact that you have a dynamic as a partnership and you know there could be same-sex couples that will have a will have a dynamic on it like like this similarly where one of them will yep. be probably more dominant than the other but it doesn't matter what the gender is it's what works for you as a as a, yeah. as a couple as a partnership and if that is the female um tradition and society shouldn't be the blockers to that being the way forward and it's brilliant no. to hear victor talking about that story and talking about the fact that he's supporting his his partner absolutely anyway i think on that note we will go to our advert break tech talks are partnering with alive and kicking a charity that set up businesses that manufacture beautiful sports balls across sub-saharan africa using profits from ball sales and additional fundraising from events like the hackney half marathon they're able to train sports coaches to deliver vital health education we're about to hear from naomi a coach in zambia who's been trained to deliver mental health education to her community Hello there, this is Coach Naomi from Zambia. I would love to say about Alive and Kicking training, which has helped me to teach my players about like mental health. It has really built my knowledge and they have passed through to my young players in, in the community. I also work with Special Olympics where we deal with children with disability, mentally and physically. I hope and trust that the Alive and Kicking will continue teaching coaches in various parts of the world, not just in Zambia. Thank you very much, Alive and Kicking. Right, welcome back Could, to the show. Oh, go on. Hello. I was just going to say, can we can we fly through my article quickly? Because I want to get to yours and spend more time on your article today. <laughs> I know I've, I've been bad. I've shared it with you in advance because it's a bit out there. But yeah, no, go go for it. Go, what's, what have you got? Um, basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the headline and then I'm going to read some tweets. Okay, so Google accused of sabotaging Firefox again. Okay, so Jonathan Nightingale, former GM and VP of Firefox Group at Mozilla, revealed all on Twitter over the weekend. So when I started uh, Mozilla in 2007, there was no Google Chrome, and most folks most folks we spoke to were inside were Firefox fans. When Chrome launched, things got complicated, but not in the way you might expect. They had a competing product now, but they didn't cut ties. Break our search deal, nothing like that. In fact, the story we kept hearing was, we're on the same side. Anyway, fast forward that, and you literally, uh, you open up YouTube on Firefox, and it's like there's, there's proof here that it runs five times slower in Firefox and the Edge than in Google Chrome, because YouTube's polymerie design relies on the deprecated shadow an api basically Mm. so yeah google uh they're doing a bit of an apple actually Uh, this is very reminiscent of you know something that apple would do um slowing down i mean let's just say this from the off if you're still using firefox and the edge you're living in fucking 2003 and you might as well be using alta vista and ask jeeves but it's not fair, basically. It is not fair. It's big boys doing what they want again. It's an Apple move. It's a Facebook move. We've seen this before. We always thought Google might be a bit better than them. You know, there was the, pl- the, the Google sorry, Play thing. Well, a little bit, right? A little bit. But more flexible, like this is more flexible, but yeah. that's part of their business model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then here you go, just proving yet again that they, they are one of the bad guys too. I, oh, look... I don't, I don't. Is it or is it capitalism? Is I, it I bad know, or I is agree. it capitalism? I, mean, the, 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 I think the problem here is that there's no competition to YouTube. 
Uh, there was Vivo. Does anyone use Vivo? Did that ever kick off? No. Well, you know, well, but there are there are other video sharing platforms. It's TikTok one and there's Vimeo and other bits and pieces. But yeah. the, the thing is, people want to use YouTube because it's the biggest platform in the world. There's no real solid competition to, to YouTube. Therefore, it doesn't matter what internet browser you're going to go through. You're going to probably go to YouTube. Um, True. Google know that. That's why Google bought YouTube. And Google yep. have a web browser. So it stands to reason that they're going to make their products and services run quicker on their web browsing platforms. Uh, there could be an argument that browsers need to be, that there needs to be more competitive browsers. I personally use Chrome because I think it's the best one. Um, Hands down the best one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but surely this has got to do with the fact that if you're, if you're annoyed that YouTube doesn't run as quickly on other web browsing platforms and you want to use, I don't know, Opera or Firefox or, or Edge, well, there also needs to be more competition in the marketplace and a healthier marketplace when it comes to com com competition to some of the products that we're accessing. Is it too late? Is it too late for a, a YouTube competitor? I, I, I can't see that happening now. No, of but you're not. right, no, you're right, no, you're no, definitely no. right. Of course, it's not too late because most, most, well, the majority of organizations in the FTSE 200 won't exist in 10 years' time. Or there is a stat like that. The shelf life of, of products are, are shorter than they've Yeah, ever but this been. isn't, and it's, this isn't it's a Google totally, product. No, but this is totally, YouTube we're talking about, it, though. This it, isn't well, something it, that's going to disappear. It is a Google product now, but what, I, yeah, no, sure, it's probably not going to disappear. But in, in the same way that people are beginning to turn their, they're back on Facebook and something will probably come along and replace it. We know right, that, yeah. that new technology can appear very quickly and gain users very quickly because there's low barriers of entry, it's very low cost. There's no reason why something can't come along to compete yeah. with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite utopian to think that, but you're, you're not wrong. YouTube does need a challenge. I just think, I think we're too, too long in the tooth with YouTube now. I, I honestly do. Well, it might be that we just... You know, we get past YouTube and there's something better out there than just video. I don't know. Let's do it, Dave. Let's, let, let's create it. Let's create the uh, ARVR <laughs> tube or something. I don't know. Let's do it. With all of our technical nows. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, we've got the connections that can help us, but yeah, we're just big, 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 big picture ideas, people, aren't we? Oh, dear. Right. Okay. Uh, my article is taken from Popular Science. Yeah. Uh, this is a bit out there. This is totally out there. It is tech, but it's health tech. Neuroscientists yep. just bought pig brain cells back to life, changing our view of death. This caught my eye on the back of the conversation about transhumanism and CRISPR a couple of weeks ago um, when we were talking to Kate Goes Tech. Um, mm -hmm. I'll paraphrase elements of this. Scientists have revived, uh, re revived dead brain cells in pigs partially. They're not reanimating yeah. um, consciousness uh, nope. and the article does go on to say that they wouldn't have done that if they thought that was about to happen I mean the moral implications um, yeah, behind yeah, yeah. that yeah the yeah, ethics, yeah the morals everything yeah but yeah. they basically determined that uh, using a circulatory system that you can get brain activity back in um, uh, an organ that has de been deprived as, of blood and of oxygen for four hours. Now, why is that important? Because we know that in instances where people have been deprived of oxygen and blood to their brain, they suffer brain damage and that can be catastrophic. 
if they could find ways to prolong the amount of time that you can be down and then bring you back in those circumstances where maybe an operation you're I don't know, maybe you're having a tumour removed and they've got to drain your body of blood and then they, they cool it back down and then they warm it back up or they pump it in. They have a very short window to do an operation like that because obviously your brain begins to shut down and die. Yep. So I can see that there's amazing potential in this kind of research, but it comes with a hell of a lot of baggage. I can't believe we've gone from monkey brains to pig brains in a week, but I love it. I mean... This, I think this is quite groundbreaking in that, like you say, it can, it can help us as a, as a race eventually. Um, I, I did want to, we've got a touch on the morality point, the fact that they probably can figure out how to bring them back to consciousness as well. Well, they don't, we don't, we, well, no, because science has no idea what forms consciousness. There is, okay. in the same way, so you can look at a brain and you can go, that area controls sight, that's breathing, that's memory. There is no part of the brain that you can point to and go, that's consciousness. No, fair enough. But I think we, they're, they're going to figure it out. Come on, of course. They've, they've, they've got the brain back to life, so to speak. It's going to well, happen. I mean, that's, that's, that's a question at the very heart of faith, isn't it? I mean, we won't get into that. Yeah, well, but... that's, that's exactly. That's the playing God aspect as well, which is the phrase I hate. But yes. But the, the system is called Brain X. Um, yeah. So, so for six hours... Um, it can mimic a heartbeat and it's kind of mm. they, it floods the organ with a blood like fluid I mean it's fascinating mm. it's fascinating um, not, none of the 32 pig brains involved in the experiment showed any signs of global electrical activity associated with consciousness as we've said total reanimation basically would uh, essentially bring the brain back from the dead that's never been the goal reviving no. consciousness technologically unattainable and something that the community agrees should be thoroughly considered, like using CRISPR to modify the human genome before it's attempted. It would go against animal cruelty regulations, rightly. Um, and also, you've got to ask the question, well, I, we have no idea what, what kind of emotional response animals have. We know they have emotions. We can witness elephants checking out their reflection in mirrors. The idea yeah. that humans are the only race on this planet that get scared, that are happy, you know, it, it's not right to bring back consciousness to something that's lost it. It, it, w it surely wouldn't just be like waking up. I, well, I mean, it depends on how, how heavily you believe in Descartes. I mean, it, I think therefore I am. He, he categorically said that animals don't think that it's all based on reaction. So when you say things no, like consciousness, no, I, that's, that's I kind bollocks. of feel as though that they do, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Because yeah, yeah, there, there was that experiment where they painted um, an elephant's tusk and it was checking it out in the mirror and you could see that it was vain. You, hey, you you've only got to have a you've only got to have a dog to realise that this isn't fucking true. You know, like uh, a dog will be pissed off at you after you've been on a week long holiday and come back, and the dog will ignore you for a day and a half because that's how he's going to treat you. There, there, was, there, was, yeah, there, there was an experiment a little while ago where they kidnapped one crow from a flock and then they released it back into the flock, and then they kidnapped a murder. A, a, it's a, called a murder, Dave. As a murder of crows, useless fact I, I know. Thank you. But they, 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 they basically then experimented with another crow and the crow was scared when it was shown the face, even though um, that, that crow had never been captured by that individual. So, you know, within that murder of crows, they obviously communicate mm. to some degree and share that information and knowledge. So there's obviously something going on there beyond just reactions. 
Tech Talks is now uh, an animal morality podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought, it was I thought it was fascinating. I'd love to hear yes. people's response. Um, yes. Jack, we've got to go. Uh, yes. Happy Easter. Yeah, all Passover. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, happy Easter. Um, but we will be back on Easter Monday, as per usual. Don't worry, it's a bank holiday. Well, the good thing is it's a bank holiday, so you've got more time to listen. Yeah, it means you can literally see the notification come in on your phone and press play and listen to it straight away. Straight away, exactly. Away no, on Easter Monday when you're in a... Yeah. No meetings getting in the way. I was going to say, you'll either be amidst a chocolate or alcohol-based hangover. So either well, way, we're, we're, we're the voices you want in your ears. Maybe both. Maybe you've had too many champagne, yeah. champagne yeah. Oh, God. Uh,